Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome in to Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. But it is not Tom Brenneman today. It's Paul Fritschner, and it is great to be with each and every single one of you. It is Monday morning, and we have a ton to talk about. The Reds win a series down in Miami. Matt McClain gets called up to the big leagues. We had the same NBA bubble playoffs that we had back in whenever that bubble was, 2020. The conference finals are back at it again. And you know what? We have a lot to talk about because we also still have to get through the Bengals schedule that we didn't get all the way through the other day. Paul Fritschner here, right here at the desk, taking you through this Monday morning. Casey McAllister, Reed Mouse over there. We had Reed down in Nashville this weekend, and we had Casey McAllister doing something downtown at his bachelor party. Which he was we, somewhere else. He was sure. somewhere else. I'm not sure if Casey was totally at the banks this weekend. I saw him there, but I don't know if he knows he was there. Physically was there, right? You were physically stated in the banks, but the mind was somewhere else. Yeah, um, probably by like the fifth bar, I was just gone. I was gone. I, I had left, and uh, there was just no coming back until the next morning. So You know what I had? So I'm in Nashville working an event, and I had FOMO. I had fear of missing out. So I'm texting Paul left and right. I'm seeing Sir Boy's tweets about how the party's going and everything like that, and I was missing out. I was genuinely a little little upset that I couldn't be there on, on Casey's bachelor party. It looked like you guys had a blast. It looked like... The town was not red before you guys got down there. Then you painted it red, which is the whole point of a bachelor party. You guys painted the town red. Yes. Yes, we did. Literally and physically. Because Sir Boy came in and all oh, of his no. Reds gear. Everyone oh, okay. came in in, in Reds gear. It was, it was pretty good. Did, but. did anyone puke? Uh, I was, Casey? Uh, I puked when we were nice. driving home. When we were driving oh, home. Man. Oh, not, no. Not, did you have to stop? No, I didn't stop. Are you kidding? Just kept it rolling. You did it in the car? Did you Uber? No, I puked outside the window and we had. We you had were like the tight, pig. Tight, 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 tight. I love how he is literally like just down. He's like, I just like put my head out the window and did it. No, we didn't stop. Are you kidding me? Casey, that's not. You normally stop. Wait, wait, wait. Was this like the was this like the Geico commercial with the pig that like is leaning out with the pinwheel and leaning out the window and you're just Yeah, wee and you you're just spewing out the window? Yeah. We can't stop for that. Are you kidding? We can't stop. We gotta go no. we gotta go straight home. Can't stop. Can't, well hang on, hang on. As soon as we made it home, we just I had my hose already hooked up and ready to go, so just nice little spray off the car if any of it You had your what? Spray it off the car. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's downplaying this so modestly. Like he's, he's hey, awesome. guys. What, what what's the problem here? No harm, no foul. You just spray right off. All right. I don't want to totally spoil all of the bachelor party content because we're gonna have Tracy Jones on the show tomorrow. Tom will be back tomorrow. Tom, this was a scheduled day for Tom. We knew t Tom was not gonna be here today for a long time because uh, of graduation stuff. Still, so. As far as we know, today is the last day that Tom is not in for a while. So we are here filling in with all of you. So bear with us here for the two hours. It's going to be fun. we got a lot coming up. What's going on, Reed? I can tell you. Before, before we get into this show, can we get a round of applause for Paul? 
Round of applause. Big league poll. A big league engagement. We're me and Casey are mildly upset that you hid it from us for so long. We understand why you kept it close to the vest, but we're happy for you. Big league poll. Good job. So, so my plan, I texted you guys this. My plan was to tell you guys, not, not Nutcutter Nation. I wanted Nutcutter Nation to be surprised, but my plan was to tell you guys on Friday afternoon. I was really, I, I didn't want it to be something that we had to dance around for a month on the show. And then if, if anything slipped up, didn't, didn't need to risk that. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to do it on a Friday night. I'll do it after Friday's show. I'll, I'll tell Tom and, and Reed and Casey and everybody and then Reed had to go to Nashville. Trace and Sean were out uh, working on something else. So it was only Casey and I sitting here in the office on Friday afternoon. And I said, you know what? I've kept this a secret for like four months, five months. What's another five hours and everybody can be surprised? So I sent everybody a text. And yeah, it was a great night. I was panicked about the weather all week long. And it worked out. It was great. No rain. Overcast. Great for pictures. It was good. It was a lot of fun. It all worked out. But again, I'm sure Tom and I'm, I I don't know if Tracy knows. I don't oh, I don't know how Tracy would know. He'd probably disagree with that decision. What decision? To to get married. Just, oh, <laughs> just in general. The oh, the premise of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know how Tracy would know unless maybe Tom told him. But it's not like he's he's on Twitter. I shouldn't say Tracy's not on Twitter. Tracy probably has a Twitter. Mm. He's probably lurking around. All right, uh, let's get into Matt McClain here before we get to Charlie Goldsmith at 10.15. We, again, a lot to get into today, but the biggest news of this morning is Matt McClain getting promoted to the Reds. It leaked out last night, was on Instagram, and then all of a sudden Chatterbox Reds was blowing up. I saw they had over 100 people watching at one point on the show last night for a, a good portion of the show. They were in the triple digits. They had Bryce Spalding on, Nick Kirby, Trace Baller. You can go back and watch that right here on the Chatterbox Sports YouTube page. But Matt McClain finally gets the promotion. And it's well-deserved because he's somebody that has just absolutely been tearing it up down at AAA. Reed, you said you had his numbers for us uh, from AAA down in Louisville. Yeah, 38 games, 173 plate appearances. He has was hitting 348, getting on base 474, and was slugging 710. 13 or 12 home runs, 40 RBIs. Those are... Similar to your nickname, Big League Paul, those are big league numbers from, from Matt McClain. Oh, they absolutely are, and I think the biggest thing for the Reds has been when are they going to call these guys up? You look at McClain, Abbott, uh, I don't need to go through all of them, CES, Ellie De La Cruz. How much longer were we going to put things off? How much longer were the Reds going to go where they're just kind of in no man's land before they eventually call the, call the big guns up to the big leagues? But this goes back to the question that I had for everybody last week. I, I hosted last week on Monday, and I came in here and I put in the monologue and I asked, "At what point are we going to start? At what point are we going to start tingling about the Reds? At what point are we going to start to think, ah, maybe we have a little fun here?" Nick Kirby tweeted that the other day. He said. I went into this season expecting this to be a developmental season and expecting this to be a season where we just got the prospects up to the big leagues, got some wins under their belt, and then went for it in 2024. But now all of a sudden, you're looking at the major league standings, you're looking at the NL Central standings, you're looking at the AAA standings, and you're thinking to yourself, hold on a second. 
The Louisville Bats are one of the most exciting teams in baseball. The Cincinnati Reds are winning. They're winning games. Two out of three this weekend. And oh, by the way, the two that they won Friday night, which was great. That was that we were at the we had just walked into the the engagement party and Jake Fraley hit a home run and it was it was electric. It was great. We had it on the TV. It's great. Exciting night on Friday night. Saturday, win again. Sunday, again, a clunker. But at what point are, are we going to start to think, maybe this thing's got some legs. Maybe this thing has some legs. Read the Cubbies. Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. Mm, one game. One game difference between the Cubs and the Reds. Listen, the, the Reds are doing something. It's, it's not... It's not rocket science on how to succeed in this league. You win series, you win two out of three every week, you put yourself in a really good position to be a great ball team, and that's what the Reds have done over their last six series. They've won four of their last six. You're looking at the sweep against the Rangers, taking two of three against the Athletics. They then have won their last two series against the Mets and the Marlins. They're just playing really good baseball. While the rest of the division is floundering, the Reds just quietly, quietly climbing up. And, you know, they're four games under 500, five games back of the division. This is just the jolt that the Reds need. And we're going to start seeing those seats, those red seats at Great American Ballpark. I mean, they're not going to sell out. I mean, no. Let's not, not get crazy here. But if they keep winning, you know, the 10,000 people turns into 12,000 people and then turns into 14. And next thing you know, we're in the middle of June and there's 20,000 people showing up at Great American Ballpark on a Tuesday evening. The Reds right now are 18 and 22. As you said, Reed, they're five games back in the NL Central. Chicago Cubs, 19 and 21, four games back. Pittsburgh, they're sliding. We knew it was going to happen at some point. We knew this wasn't going to be sustained the entire time, and it's happened in the last two weeks. They're two and eight in their last 10 games. All of a sudden, you look down there, a game and a half back in Milwaukee. Brewers, 23 and 17, they lead the division. And for some reason, we don't know why. But the St. Louis Cardinals at 16 and 25, seven and a half games back of first place. Seven and a half games. Could you ever imagine the Steelers being like four and 13 or something like that? Because that's what the Cardinals are. That's basically what's going on right now. It's incredible. And I'm happy about it. Makes me happy. Makes us both happy. Reds fans and Cubs fans alike that the Cardinals are just terrible. Their run differential, their record. The record at home six and thirteen in St. Louis. Joined now by somebody that I I without a doubt think is the hardest working man in Cincinnati sports and somebody that we have not had on the show yet, and I am very happy to have on this show who broke the Matt McLean news on Twitter last night and had him right here on the show this morning. It's Charlie Goldsmith from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Charlie, thanks so much for waking up and coming on the show here this morning to talk about Matt McClain, the Reds, and everything else. How are you? How's everything going? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great. So let's get right into it, Charlie. And, and I do at the very end want to ask you maybe one or two Bengals questions, but right now it's all about the Reds. Just can you walk us through what you know about this promotion, um, how this kind of came to be, any of the decision-making? Just fill the people in on, on where we're at with Matt McClain. I think this process started in spring training where Matt McClain looked pretty much as close to being big league ready as someone who is 23 with no AAA experience could possibly look. He wasn't quite in consideration then, but he was certainly on the radar 
Then he goes to AAA and he keeps crushing it. And I heard Matt McLean's name tossed around, you know, beginning in late April as a guy who people kept saying he's close. He's looking ready. He's getting closer and closer to being ready for the show. And they wanted to see him get more starts. You know, you, you rarely see guys with as little experience as Matt McClain get to the big leagues. They wanted to make sure this wasn't just a hot streak. They wanted to make sure this was who Matt McClain was. He really didn't have anything left to work on. Um, I was about to, you know, start saying over the course of this week that if they weren't calling him up pretty much right now, what were they waiting for? And I guess they were saying the same thing as they made this move over the weekend. So do you think from the way that Matt McClain had been playing in AAA and now to getting the promotion to the bigs, was it, it was just a matter of time, right? They were just maybe waiting to pick their spot. But a lot of people had thought maybe they were going to wait till the end of the week, get the Yankees in town, do it as a home promotion. When you're in the minor leagues, the minor leagues play a week-long series. They go out of town for a week or they're home for a week, whatever it might be. A lot of times you see these big prospect promotions on a Monday. This is not, at least to me, surprising at all that they're doing this on a Monday. Did you feel like the timing was right for this, Charlie? Yeah, if he's ready, you know, what are you waiting for? The Reds are, what, five games back right now? And, you know, no offense to Jose Barrero and Kevin Newman, but shortstop's probably been the weakness of the team. You know that Major League need wasn't why they called McLean up. But it certainly helps. And again, he just completely earned this opportunity by being one of the best players in minor league baseball. You know, the number one tool or trait he has probably are his feel, his comfort level, the way he just looks like a vet. He even looked like a vet in spring training, you know, when he was the young prospect going up in drills against some guys who had been in the league for a decade. So this was a few weeks in the making and he had nothing left to prove. So they're like, all right, let's uh, let's get him to the show. You teased it there a little bit, and, and most of our viewers here, pretty much everybody, I would say, probably has a pretty good idea of what they are getting out of Matt McClain. But just briefly, can you walk us through somebody that's listening to this show for the first time or is watching this show for the first time? Just an overall view of what the Reds at the major league level are getting out of Matt McClain. So first and probably most importantly, this is a guy who, you know, he's a baseball star, his two young brothers or baseball summing up through the works. He was a starter as a freshman at UCLA. He was a star on some great LA teams. He was a round pick. He was a top 100 prospect. This guy has, you know, as much pedigree as a shortstop could have coming up. Uh, the most underrated part about his game is his power. He has a very smooth swing. You can't beat him in the strike zone. He is on top of fastballs. It is quick, lightning bat speed. And then when he connects, he explodes on the ball. He Charlie, the I think the biggest thing for the Reds right now that a, a lot of people maybe weren't expecting was the fact that right now I I don't know if you if you heard me before we came on, but you're, the Reds are eighteen and twenty two, right? They're five games out of first, and coming into the season, it was I, I think a lot of people would have said, rightfully so. Let's learn how to win. Let's get some wins under the belt. Let's develop these prospects. Let's get the big guys to the major league level. But now, is it? Are, are you starting to think to yourself, maybe the Reds just kind of kick things around here and, and have some fun and, and win some games and keep this thing interesting for the next couple of months? I do think these are two separate conversations. Like, 
Calling up Matt McClain is not a win-now move. It is a Matt McClain is ready move. I don't think until like the summer you'd see them push a guy quicker than you'd think to the majors just to fill an immediate need. These prospects are their path and their plan to be a legitimate contender more than, you know, just competing for a 500 record this season. They believe that, you know, along with the young core they have in the big leagues, Friedel, India, Steer, Stevenson, the young pitchers, they see Strand, De La Cruz, obviously McLean, who's up now, Abbott. They see these as the guys who are going to be the key pieces of the next really good Reds team. And they're not going to hinder that development process just by calling them up too soon. I don't think, you know, the, the McLean move is a sign that they're going to start having this huge wave of promotions, though I do think we could see Andrew Abbott sooner rather than later. They're going to do what's best for the development of these prospects. But the thing is, too, they do have a bunch of guys playing really well in AAA, showing they just need more time, just kind of like McLean did before they're ready to be starters on the Reds. You mentioned defensively how badly the Reds have needed a consistent shortstop and how badly they need that that defensive stability. So what do you think this adds at the major league level to a team that is really trying to solidify themselves and what they look like out in the field, not just at the plate? I would say McLean's hitting is his biggest tool. His feel for the game really, though, does carry a lot of weight at shortstop. Like, we talk about shortstops being like the captain of the defense and all that kind of stuff. And there's really something legitimately to that. That was probably Kyle Farmer's biggest strength. And, you know, the Reds didn't have the most talented personnel on defense last year. They were playing better defense. It helped a guy like Farmer was helping organize just everything going on. And I think McLean has some of that to him. He's a natural athlete. I think his arm's underrated. There are a lot of people who think he probably will end up at second base long-term. I think he can be a shortstop. I know the Reds think he can be a shortstop. Um, so he's not, you know, he doesn't have the tools of an Ellie De La Cruz. I think Ellie probably is the most gifted shortstop defensively in the Reds organization right now. He can just do things McLean can't with his athleticism. But McLean is a good athlete. He's a steady player. He has some more athleticism than what the Reds were getting. And I think overall it will be an upgrade defensively for what the Reds had. You mentioned second base. What's the end game here, Charlie, for Jonathan India? Does he go to the outfield? Does he where does he move around? What do you think the end game is? That's a day-to-day -day thing. India, I really mean this. No one's working harder pregame during, you know, warm-ups and all that stuff going on than India is working at second base. He he literally takes more ground balls than anyone on the Reds. I think he's aware that he legitimately needs to improve defensively. There's no, like, urgency right now at this very minute because, you know, McLean can just play short and India can still play second. But when De La Cruz, Strand, uh, Marte come up, there will be this log jam in the infield. In the long term, India knows he needs to improve defensively. Um, maybe he ends up at first, maybe he ends up at left. You know, the, the only thing the Reds know right now is they're continuing to give him the opportunity to improve at second base. They see him putting in the work. If he doesn't, then you have that conversation when a guy like Dilla Cruz gets called up. But since that's not, you know, the reality right now, they're giving India the chance to continue to develop and improve defensively. Talking to Charlie Goldsmith, the Cincinnati Enquirer, at Charlie G underscore on Twitter. Charlie, the, the Reds right now at the major league level, we talked about the prospects, Ellie De La Cruz, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Matt McClain, Andrew Abbott, so much potential, so many guys that you feel like can really be the foundation of this team moving forward. But at the major league level, you're getting production out of guys that maybe you weren't expecting to get production out of, or at least to the fact that they're winning more games, I think, at this point now that than people were maybe thinking they would. The major league Reds overall, 
What's your take on this team? This year was about identifying pieces of the young core. And I think the Reds have more confidence now than, you know, they had confidence, but more confidence now than they did at the, at the beginning of the season that particularly steer Friedel and Fraley are going to be real long-term pieces for them. They're not going to be, you know, the, the cornerstones that a De La Cruz or an India or Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo will be, but they have seen continual improvement, development. They've liked the way each of them has responded to like different adversity and different slumps and different challenges that have come up over the course of the season. The Reds are still a very flawed team. I literally don't know who their fourth and fifth starters are right now. Um, they play bad defense. They don't hit for power. That is a very thin margin for air to walk when you're trying to uh, be a competitive team. And that's why I'm not, you know, predicting the Reds are going to finish over 500 right now. But I do think, you know, you know, when you look at what the assignment was for the 2023 season, they are getting the, the steps that you wanted to see at the big league level when you look at the guys who have really become a part of that young core. And then the growth guys like, you know, Jonathan India, big bounce back year, Graham Ashcraft, just a massive step he's taken this year. Alexis Diaz taking another step. I do feel like, you know, when they talk about a long-term plan, they are kind of on that line right now of upward, upward trajectory. I'm glad you brought up Alexis Diaz because the other night there was that whole scene with him wanting to stay in the game and then eventually staying in the game, finishing that game out. Is there anything more, Charlie, you can take to that? And, and you did some great reporting on that on Twitter. Is there anything more you can take from that just at a macro level, not just the, the one specific situation, but at a macro level of what that says about the competitiveness of Alexis Diaz and this team and wanting to win right now? There was a great, a, a great quote that uh, Jake Fraley had in a conversation I had with him. He said that exact example, he says that's a culture win. That's the X factor. That's the closeness that the Reds have really prioritized uh, more than they have in previous years in, in establishing, those establishing those relationships. They've talked about that since the first day of spring training. Fraley drew a, a straight line from that priority to Diaz stepping up, giving it everything he had, wanting to stay in, going not just the extra mile, but the extra two miles, doing something I've never seen a closer do before, pitching that much, 40 pitches, the day after he got a really impressive save as well, the way he wanted to go above and beyond for his teammates, like, we can scoff at that, you know, we can say, you know, what's that going to get you in the long run, but they really see a sign of, you know, uh, the, the progress and the identity that they like to use the word gritty, they see examples of all of that, and Alexis stepping up the way he did and responding to the big challenge he faced when he was exhausted. The Reds really do see that as kind of what they're trying to be. Talking with Charlie Goldsmith of Cincinnati Inquirer. Charlie, got a couple more minutes with you before I let you go. I, I want to switch gears over to the Bengals. And one of the best parts of following you on Twitter, Charlie, is when I can tell you're either at a Bengals game and some Reds news pops up or you're at a Reds game and some Bengals news happens and you go over to your Excel sheet and you're starting to tweet out the Bengals news. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world is this guy compartmentalizing which sport he is covering when? I don't know what you get paid, but it's not enough. Seriously, I, everybody that, that follows you in Cincinnati sports appreciates what you're doing. So I want you first to just step back and look at the two teams that you cover just tell the people how, how you filter what you need to say and report on because it is a hilarious time sometimes seeing what you put out. I'll tell you what the hardest thing was. When the Bengals had Jesse Bates and the Reds had Jesse Winker, 
one of them Jesse with an IE, one of them Jesse with an E. That drove me crazy every single day for a year, making sure I had two star Pro Bowl, play, Pro Bowl All-Star players names spelled correctly every time. Um, I, I do like it, though. You know, it's very different just atmospheres, you know, very different sports. It's very very different covering baseball than it is covering football, just with the schedule, with, with the different dynamics of the team, with the personnel. Obviously, the Reds and the Bengals are at different stages uh, of their overall, you know, team windows right now. I love it. I love covering both teams. I love those differences and how that leads to different types of stories that you get to tell, and it's a lot of fun. All right, so this is a question that I asked, have liked to ask pretty much everybody that comes on, and we haven't gotten your take on it. I, I asked Richard Skinner, who came on our show for the first time last week. You haven't been on, so we'll get your take. What's the state of the union of the Cincinnati Bengals right now? I mean, they, they accomplished what they – it's funny. I was going to say they accomplished what they were looking for this offseason, but when they came up with their plans and their goals, Orlando Brown Jr. certainly wasn't in that. When you look at the big picture, really the only thing that matters for the Bengals this offseason is that they lost last year to the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Browns, and then in the playoffs to the Chiefs. They lost all of those games for one reason, the offensive line. They added one of the better, one of the best left tackles in football. They're wanting to move Jonah Williams to right tackle, which will give them an upgrade there. Cordell Volson will have another year of experience. Their offensive line has become a strength. And, you know, we can talk about what Miles Murphy does and how that helps. We can talk about tight end. We can talk about the new look secondary and how they're piecing that stuff together. But they have Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, and they address their biggest weakness. Nothing else matters. Like, that's a formula to be a top, top-tier Super Bowl contender for as long as the Bengals are in the Joe Burrow business. I think it was you that tweeted this out. And you pointed out when you were looking at your schedule takeaways when the schedule got announced on Thursday night, and you looked at the first four games of the season, and you're looking at the Browns, the Ravens, um, the Rams, and the Titans. I believe that's the first four games. Mm -hmm. You're looking at that, and you're looking at some of the pass rushers that they're going to have to face versus the offensive line that the Bengals have tried to build. But yeah, obviously have some injuries that are still lingering, and who's going to be healthy, who's still going to be on that line by the time those first four games roll around. How do you see that lining up now that we know how everything is going to play out in the fall? So you have a few choices at right tackle. You can, and I think what they want to do is move Jonah Williams to right tackle and, you know, not honor that trade request, which it sounds like the Bengals and Jonah Williams are both going in that direction. Um, you could see where Lyle Collins is. You could go with Jackson Carmen, or you can go with Cody Ford. And those last three options really sound not ideal at all when you're looking at needing immediate production against, you know, the Browns just traded for another Pro Bowl pass rusher. The Rams have Aaron Donald. The Titans have Jeffrey Simmons. The Ravens have just a classic front that's been giving teams trouble for the last, you know, in their entire existence. You know, Collins, where is he going to be? He struggled so much early last season because he didn't have any time in training camp. He wasn't ready, and you don't want to repeat that again this season. Uh, Cody Ford has played more guard than tackle. You don't want him to be going through that adjustment while the Bengals are playing these teams with this urgency to protect early on. And same with Jackson Carmen. You know, he's – I don't think I've ever even seen him take a practice rep at right tackle. You can't have that ironing out process be during, you know, every, every game is going to be important for a team that can't lose more than four or five games to get their goals in the regular season done. And with the lines they're facing, I think it makes it even more valuable to have a guy who has done it, a guy who knows what he's doing, a guy who you can trust from a health standpoint. And Jonah Williams, that's even more important now early in the season. All right, so last question for you very quickly because I know you have to go. Just looking at the schedule overall, did you like how it shaped? We knew the opponents, obviously, but just at the way that the schedule lined up, you're looking at the four primetime games. 
the way everything lined up? You think it's favorable, not favorable? What's your take on it? Yeah, the one thing that's not favorable is on the road at Baltimore Thursday Night Football, probably their toughest task of the year, even tougher than the Chiefs game because they'll have a, a longer week than the Chiefs heading into that game. The Chiefs are coming off a short week that week. Uh, but overall, like, this might have been the least consequential schedule release in Bengals history. Like, it used to be the primetime games were something, you know, You'd have concerns about with the Bengals because of their track record in them. That's not a thing anymore. They're going to end up with more than four primetime games, so that wasn't even a big question, um, you know, coming out of last uh, last week's schedule release. That part of the schedule change. They have, you know, pretty much confidence that they're going to win just about every game. So the order, you know, they, they went through the, the unbelievable gauntlet in the second half last year, a tough runner stretch of the schedule, something they've proven they can handle. So, you know, no big questions uh, other than maybe a little bit of a disadvantage for that Ravens game. But other than that, you know, this is uh, what life is like when you're one of the best teams in football. Charlie, I just want to say that there has been a lot of debate in our YouTube chat along the side here for the last probably two weeks. Have the Bengals gotten better? Where are they at? And you saying that the Bengals have improved and gotten better has lit a fire in everybody that is watching the show right now. And they appreciate you. They love what you bring to the table. I appreciate you too. And hopefully sometime down the line, you can come back on. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes this morning. Thanks, Paul. All right. See you, Charlie. So there's the answer that we were looking for on if the Bengals have gotten better, which we all knew they had, but it was stated by somebody not in this room, somebody from outside of the organization, and the people are all over it. It validated a lot of, a lot of things, right? We keep hearing this question. The normal host always asks, are the Bengals better? <laughs> and then Everett Henry just loses his mind and – Shortly after Sir Boy Wonder, but man, man, oh man, wasn't that great to hear some validation and what we all know to be true that the Bengals are better. Yeah, the question is honestly just tired at this point. Tired. It's just tired. I didn't even ask the question. He volunteered it. Yeah. He yeah. volunteered it. Because he knows. It's he just, knows. It just came on out. He knows. Uh, I thought that was interesting hearing from both sides. Again, Charlie's somebody that it, I, I asked the question, but honest to God, he'll be in the Reds press box. It'll be the fourth inning of a game. And all of a sudden I'll be on Twitter and I'll see him tweeting out an Excel sheet of the offensive line depth chart for the Bengals. And I'm thinking to myself, it's the middle of June, Charlie, how do you, how do you organize these things? How right, do you keep everything right. straight? But he's a true professional. That's why we had him on the show this morning. And he brings mm -hmm. to the table one Matt McClain, who obviously is going to bring everything that the Reds need to the table right oh. now, at least at the plate. Defensively, I thought that was interesting what he said defensively and what the Reds are going to have to do in the field and that they're, the patience that the Reds are showing right now to bring these guys up through to not rush up an Ellie De La Cruz or rush up a Christian Encarnacion Strand or an Andrew Abbott. And he mentioned casually in there that, that maybe Abbott would be the next one of the group to come up, not a CES or not an Ellie De La Cruz, which I don't think I was expecting Ellie De La Cruz to be the next one up. I think Ellie De La Cruz probably does need a little bit more time, not in the sense of the production. I think it's sustained production that you want to see out of Ellie De La Cruz because if you're on Twitter, if you're following the Louisville Bats, if you're seeing anything that he's doing right now, he had a, a home run the other day. I, didn't, I couldn't understand why the Bats had tweeted it out because it was a pop fly to left field and before the camera cut to the play-by-play -play camera to find the ball, you could see Ellie out of the bat or out of the box. He didn't slam his bat, but he was frustrated. 
and he threw his head down and he shook his head and he started a slow trot to first thinking it was going to be a fly out to left and ended up 10 seats deep in the left field <laughs> stance. And that's just what you're getting out of him. I also saw, I can't remember who it was last night, um, tweeted out. I don't know if it was Nick Kirby or who it was that tweeted this out, but somebody tweeted uh, a stat from the velocity from third base. Somebody made a throw from, I believe, shorter third, the left side of the infield. It was yep. 92 miles an hour last night to, to throw somebody out. It was in a major league level. Yeah. Ellie De La Cruz has two or three. At It was the hardest throw, right? I think it was the Diamondbacks. Yeah, the Diamondbacks. Hardest throw in, in their stat cast history. I should have yeah. bookmarked the tweet. This is great radio. But I did see the video, and it was, I believe, the fastest throw in StatCast history. And Ellie De La Cruz has two or three throws from the left side of the diamond from third base faster than that. He's a stud. He's a guy. He's very good. Casey, uh, any takeaways? We still have to get to – we've covered Matt McClain. We have plenty more Matt McLean coverage down in the chat era. Sorry, in Chatterbox Reds. If you want to go back and watch any of that from last night, you can see Nick Kirby, Trace Fowler, Bryce Spalding. They all have you covered there. We've covered Matt McLean. We've covered that promotion. We are going to talk a little bit more about the Reds, especially going into this week, going to Colorado. The first game at 840 tonight. That is Hunter Green on the mound for the Reds. Another game at 840 tomorrow before an afternoon game on getaway day on Wednesday. Then a day off Thursday, Yankees come to town on Friday. Casey, any thoughts overall um, on what Charlie said about the Bengals, your Cincinnati Bengals? Well, I mean, I think, you know, we, we, we covered it. Like, is this team better than they were before? The, the question's just tired because the answer is yes. It's a resounding yes. I mean, you you oh, sure up baby. you you sure up your biggest weaknesses, which were the offensive line, the reasons why they lost practically every game that really mattered, and you know I I am the first one to say that I'm out on Jonah Williams, mm. but the idea that we didn't improve anyways, like we went out and got Orlando Brown Jr. and the fact that we have other options there that you know, could easily supplement the the player that is Jonah Williams. Uh, and maybe this is a contract year for him, and players play harder on their contract year. That's just the stat that, that just seems to always define some of these guys in the NFL. They just usually play better on their contract season. So I don't know, man. I'm really looking forward to the Bengals on offense. I know there's some worries on defense, but like we've said before, in Lou Anaruma, we trust. King Lou. King Lou. King Lou. He's going to figure it out. You're not going to hear any bad things said over on this desk over here. This is a Homer show, true and true. But listen, here's the thing about the Bengals, and I've, I've mentioned this before. What have they lost compared to what have they gained? They lost a backup running back. They lost Joe Burrow's fourth target. And admittedly, they lost their starting safeties. Yeah. Behind that, they've gained... Wait. The best tackle in free agency. They gained a presence, another presence on the defensive line. They've added to the secondary in a slew of athletic cornerbacks. And they brought in a running back to replace the backup. 
and they brought in a tight end to replace Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I, I, it's a silly argument. Yeah, I think the the argument that we didn't do enough is is silly because silly it's silly. It Super really silly. is because I think even when you look at the the safeties, I mean we're really high on Jordan Battle. I think Nick Scott is, you know, serviceable as a starter. We've got I, I think we've you got know, what a second round draft pick from this year Battle right or was he a third? He's a third round, but okay, they were Dax Hill last year and Nick Scott. Yeah, they, they graded Jordan as a second-round guy. Think about and how... Da yeah, Dak was a high first-round pick on their grade. So I trust I trust the system that they are going... I trust the approach that they're going with this. They've done enough to replace those guys. Think about how good the Bengals would have been if they would have drafted Dewan Jones. Oh, my God. Just think about how good they'd be. Oh, unbelievable. All right, Paul, let me ask you a question. As we just keep... Hopscotching our way through the the two major Cincinnati sports teams. Yes. Yankees come to town this weekend. Yes. Matt McClain's first home stand. Yes. Guess the attendance Friday night. I think Friday night there's going to be a lot of people there. If if Matt McClain hits a home run in this Colorado series, which he's liable to do given where they're playing in Colorado. Right. right. If he was to hit a home run, say Wednesday afternoon, and the Reds win, I I legitimately think. I, maybe this is overreacting to one singular game in a major league season, but I think if the Reds were to win on Wednesday and Matt McClain hit a home run in that game, I think that that boosts attendance by a non-zero, a, a significant number. I Seriously. I truly do think that this the Yankees coming into town, which is going to be cool. I, I really like how the, the, the major leagues, uh, how MLB is doing this now with playing everybody and you're going to get to see some teams come in that you haven't seen in a long time. You're going to regularly get to see the Yankees, the Red Sox, these big brands from the American League that you don't get to see a lot. When was the last time the Yankees were in town? Uh, it's been a couple of years. They normally – It's been – It's well, about every three years. Yeah, three or four years. It happens every – so you normally yeah. play a division, right? Yeah, you yeah. You play a division. That's your um, interleague play. But, but so it was pre-COVID probably. So 2019 would probably be the last time that yeah. they played. Maybe 2021. Uh, if I capped it at 22.5, 22,500 for Friday night's game, Yankees, Matt McLean's home opener, what are you saying? Butts in seats or announced attendance? Announced attendance. Over. Okay. Over. Uh, butts in seats. Maybe under. Mm. Well, I, knew, I do know this. That there's probably going to be at least eight people that I know for sure that are going, right? Us? Oh, Us? Are we going? We should. Why not? I've, I've got plans. Oh. The whole series? This is, well, I don't Sunday. I don't Sunday. Sunday? 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 Paul, can we get you out on a Sunday? Sunday, I cannot. Sunday, I can't. I can't go Saturday and Sunday. The only game that I would be able to go to is Friday. Hmm. Also, PB's ghost is asking what what the shirt is. It's a it's a golf polo, TPC Sawgrass. I've not played there, but I was on vacation down there. Oh. Got the polo. Uh, it's just little golf shields, little little golf clubs. It's a little sh it's little shields all over the place. You know what we didn't talk about? What? The City Connect jerseys. Oh, oh we good call. We didn't that talk yet. about that. Reed's wearing it right yeah, now. Yeah, look, at look, at it. It. look at it. Look at it. Chatterbox is City Connect polo. 
Do you want to pull it up? Yeah, and, I'll pull it up. So here pull them up, and, and we can show them. If anybody didn't see them, so the the overall concept, which I thought was kind of funny, that everybody was talking about this, the city connect connecting to the city. Mm-hmm. Where's the connection? I I think the jerseys are great. I love them, but I didn't really see how they connect to the city. Which I'm not. It's not, I don't I don't really care. That's fine. But. Where's the city connect on these? Yeah. I'm not trying to knock First, them. I, I want to make that very clear. I'm not poof, you know, I'm not throwing these under the bus, anything. I love these jerseys. We are incredibly unprepared for talking about what the connection is, but I do know that there's something with the, the socks, right? And there's something behind the jersey too. Um I don't I just know that there's not like a lot of anyone you can in the see. chat, yeah. Just put in the chat if you guys know what the connection is, because I don't see it either. I, I don't know. I mean, there's no skyline on it. I'm not talking skyline chili. I'm talking city skyline. There's no skyline. There's no, uh, I don't River know. Riverboat. There's, there's no a, Queen City. Yeah. There's no port manufacturing. <laughs> well, like a lot of it apparently is like hidden details. It's not like blasted in your face, right? Which personally, I like the little hidden Easter eggs that they put on anything I, i'm all fa about easter eggs but the jerseys are slick and i love i love the sea it's grown on me more and more at first i wasn't too big of a fan of it but the more i i just look at it and see the jerseys and how they look god so those are going to be worn what every friday i believe every, every friday, friday home game the rest of the season so the first time that you'll see them at home is this friday yes against the yankees put a little put a couple more butts in the seats Put a couple more butts in those seats. And it's fireworks too, right? I mean, fireworks. I, I there's think, so much to this. Are we going to get a sellout? 60,000? They're going to standing room 15,000 people in the in the grandstand? Are we going to see 45,000 people at Great American Ballpark <laughs> on Friday night? No. The answer to that question is no, but we will see over 20,000. I'll yes, tell you that. Will. Yes, we will. I, I think, you know, honestly, even – maybe I shouldn't say this. Ooh, Spicy. I was going to say even when the Reds are really terrible, you could still be liable to get over 20,000 on a on a Friday night. But the other thing is, too, there's no FC Cincinnati game on Friday. There's Friday, I think, is the most attending game of the weekend. Yeah, Saturday is the hell is real game. Saturday is hell is real, so 25,000-plus will be over at TQL Stadium. Sunday, series finale, sometimes Sunday attendance is tough. You're, Friday and Saturday on the weekends are your big nights. Friday this weekend... Fireworks Friday, Yankees in town, City Connect jerseys, Matt McLean's debut. You'll get over 21 and a half. I, I think Kirby brings up a good point. He said, I think you guys are underselling Yankees fans. I truly do think that the Yankees will bring out thousands of people. Yeah. Like thousands of people. Yeah. Like I think if even if Matt McLean was making his debut against the Mar – maybe not the Marlins, but a division team like the Brewers or something like that there'd still be right around 20,000 people. So I think we're going to go over the 22.5 or whatever I, I capped it at just because I think the Yankees fans are going to come out. And on top of that, Sir Boy Wonder's certainly going to come out because he's got to go watch his boy Anthony Rizzo play. Mm, mm. Good point. Yeah, Sir Boy, Wonder, Sir Boy Wonder did end up down at the bachelor party for Casey on Saturday night, and he said that he was going to be at this game on Friday, I think. Yes, I do think he is. All right, so I'm looking at Tick tickets right now on uh tick pick I'll make that very clear tick pick fees included i see get in around 35 bucks that's a lot 
for a Reds game. Kirby yeah. Kirby is sa- saying that he talked to someone in the front office, and they are expecting close to sellouts Ooh. all weekend long. Wow, really? I mean, that's, that's great. Maybe I'll maybe I'll go down Friday night. Don't know yet. I, I don't know 100% yet if I can. You guys should go. I know Friday night is the one night that if I can go, that that's the one night that I can. Uh, but I'm going to have to check and now, see. I will say that I don't, I don't know if it'll be all weekend because hell is real. Is that is this Saturday? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So. So yeah. If no, uh, seriously. If they're going to sell out, you're telling me that there's going to be sixty thousand fans going to sporting events on Saturday in Cincinnati. Twenty-five plus forty. Yeah. No way. No. No way. No way they'll sell out on on Saturday. Uh, of course, hell is real happens on the same weekend that the Yankees are in town. What do you think? <laughs> Not great. Plan. I don't know which schedule came out first. Probably the probably the Reds came out first because that would have been last summer. My guess would be that you see that and then you see the the hell is real come up at the same time and both front offices are just rolling their are rolling their eyes. I I don't I I truly think that FCC realizes they're going to sell out regardless. Yeah. So they they probably don't care too much. I don't know how much overlap there is between the two fan bases. Right. I really don't. And I know a lot of people want to make it out to seem like you know there's a, a ton of Oh, oh, well, we got the two professional franchise. I really do think they are two separate fan bases. They are two very distinct crowds. Now, yes, I mean, if it's a, a Saturday night, maybe maybe there's one or 2,000 people that it's a nice night. They want, like me a couple of weekends ago, but it was that was because I had a free ticket to FC. If I had to pay for one, if I had to spend $20 on one, I'm, I probably would have gone to the Reds. I, I'm a... I'm more of a baseball guy, but I, I just are FC tickets twenty dollars because every time I look, they're way over that. Yeah, I, no, yeah. no, that I, I'm just saying, like if I'm gonna spend what I'm gonna spend on a game, I'm I'm gonna probably go to the Reds game, but also there are fewer FC games that factors into it too. But I really don't think that there's all that much of an overlapping crowd that's going to just completely take away from any kind of Reds attendance. So Nick keeps telling us that we're underselling the, the fans. Are you I I wanna just hear his opinion. Do you think it's gonna be a majority Yankees fans then at the Red Stadium? Is that what we're getting at? At least half will be Yankees fans. Yankees Oof. fans are crazy, Casey. Casey, that, the Yankees are the most valuable franchise in North America in the third most valuable sport. Oh no, I I, I totally get that. I understand that they're one of the they're like the Dallas Cowboys. I get it. But bigger. bigger. Yeah, you're right. They are bigger. They're like the biggest. Are they, the are they bigger are they? than the Cowboys? Wait, did, did I get that wrong? Is it? It's them, the Knicks, and Cowboys, right? So, I don't know. Go on. Go on with your Well, regardless. <clears throat> yeah, so Nick just answered the question. Yes, there will be more Yankees fans there. That, that's a shame. I really hope that that's not the case. But the one thing I wanted to actually bring up that we – you already mentioned a little bit. Okay. Is this Reds team, like, is it getting legs? We were talking about this maybe, like, two or three weeks ago. You and I. We were just saying, like, can we – we're getting we're – get, we're crawling. We're crawling. And now we're already at this point where we're talking about, what, we're in the middle of May. When was the date that we said it was I said Memorial Day? Memorial Day, which is what day? What, what week is that? We – so we, it's the, I think it's the last day of May. No, it's not the last day. It's not the last day of May this year. It's May 29th. 
May 29th. So we do not have a show May 29th. When we walk in on May 30th to do that show on Tuesday morning, my goal, that was this was preseason, right? We have it on the we have it on the calendar. Monday day off for Memorial Day. Tuesday we come in. Are the Reds going to be worth talking about on that Tuesday? 100% at this rate. Unless they yeah. like completely lose out from here until then. But that's only two weeks. No, that that was my point though. I'm not saying yeah. I'm not asking that question now. I'm asking that that was the preseason question yeah. was. Yeah. Are we going to walk into that Tuesday morning show after Memorial Day? And are the Reds still going to be worth talking about? And you're looking at the schedule here for the Reds in the next two weeks. You have the Rockies this these next three days, day off, then the Yankees, but then the Cardinals and the Cubs. The Cubs. That's going to be the big one for us here. You split that series against the Cardinals at least, and then going to Chicago to play three games over Memorial Day weekend. This is not an overly challenging schedule for the Reds in the next two weeks to keep themselves right in it past Memorial Day, which, sadly, was the goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm now, I'm not that I'm trying to move the goalposts, move but I, I am I am going to ask the question, because we I think we all agree, Memorial Day is probably a safe bet that they're still relevant. What's the new goalpost, right? July what, 4th. what are the new expectations for this team that we're setting here? July 4th. July 4th. Because, because you think about, look, the next two weeks for the Reds are very manageable. Tread water, at least. Maybe get back to 500. June, you start first series with the Brewers. Then you have LA come to town. Then you got the Cardinals again. You're playing the Astros in there. You're playing the Braves. You're playing the Orioles who are red hot. Two things I want to bring up. And the Padres end the month. One, what is it going to take for, for off the bench to, to make a trip up to the north side for Memorial Weekend? To take Casey to Wrigley Field for the first time, get him some, get him a real baseball experience. Not not that sorry stuff they do at Great American <laughs> Ballpark, but a real baseball experience when the Reds play the Cubs up there on Memorial Weekend. Secondly, we have wildly underestimated uh, the Yankees' draw here in Cincinnati. I pulled up that 2017 series against the the Reds and Yankees at Great American Ballpark. Ah, nope. I was wrong. This, according to 2017, was at Yankee Stadium. I was going to say they sold out that game, but it was at Yankee Stadium. So I'm going to I'm going to look again. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you're going to find some pretty good results regardless. But anyways, I'm so moving the goalposts to the Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Do we come in here? Actually, I'll be out of town the Fourth of July week. I have a wedding in New Jersey. Do we get? Do I come back here? The, the My first show after the 4th of July, I don't know which show that will be. Let's just call it the – let's call it the uh, – after the All-Star break. After so, the All-Star let's, – let's call it the – let's just – screw it. So let's just call it the All-Star break. break. July 14th, that's the first game after the All-Star break. They start a massive homestand against the Brewers, the Giants, and the D-backs. They're in town from a Friday all the way through the following Sunday. They play every day at home. That is a huge, to me, the most important homestand of the season right there. Okay. I got it. <laughs> All right, Reed. May 9th, 2017. Okay. The Reds won 5-3 to three over the Yankees. 22,000 fans on that, on that May 9th day. But it is May. But I guess this game well, is Well, this is in May. This is going to be in May. For, for the fun of it, 
Can I run you through the the starting lineups of the teams? Because this let's is do it. All right. You want the Yankees or the Reds first? Yankees first. All right. Leading off playing left field, Brett Gardner. Okay. In the two hole, behind the dish, Gary Sanchez. Batting third, playing second base, Starling Castro. Out in center field, Jacoby Ellsbury. Aaron Judge is playing right field. D.D. Gregorius is at shortstop. Chris Carter. Remember Chris Carter is the first baseman? Wide out for the Vikings. And Ronald Torres starting at third base, batting in ninth. Or I guess he's batting eighth because you know who was batting ninth and pitching that day? Big C.C. Sabathia. Wow. So that was 2017. Also hitting in that game was Matt Holliday, Chase Headley, and Aaron Hicks. They all pinched it. For the Reds, playing in center field and batting leadoff, Billy Hamilton. At shortstop, Zach Cozart. First baseman's Joey Votto. Out in left field is the Duvall star, Adam Duvall. Hmm. Eugenio Suarez is, uh-huh. is playing third base. He's batting fifth. Scott Shebler out in right field. Jose Peraza, the second baseman. Devin Maserocco behind the dish. And starting is a guy I don't even remember pitching for the Reds, Tim Adelman. Raziel Iglesias came in relief in that game. What a fun, what a fun lineup. Just six years ago, that Yankees team was loaded. That was six years ago. Do you know what's really crazy to me is the turnover, like the turnover of some of these teams. Like, well, if you look at the Bengals in 2017, they would look completely different than what they are now. Yeah, I know, but like, teams that are teams that are like really good usually stay connected for a long time. Yeah, no, no doubt. like, there's only one player on that Reds roster that started that is still on the Reds today. You want to talk about continuity in the major leagues? Look back. You, it's tough that you wouldn't appreciate this, but Reed would. Go look back at, like, the 2018 Miami Marlins. Oh. Uh, Christian Yelich. Talking Christian Yelich. Uh, Mike. Carlo, it's 2017. Mike Stanton. No, he was getting Carlo at that time. He wasn't Mike. He was only Mike Stanton for like the first two years. I still can't get that out of my head. I still think he's Mike. Marcelo Zuna. Yep. JT Realmuto. Yep. D Gordon, and then starting on the mound, Jose Fernandez. R.I.P. Jose Fernandez. R.I.P. It's little. It, if Jose Fernandez didn't pass away, they wouldn't have sold the team. They would have. They would have tried to compete for a long time. But because Jose, who was the linchpin of that roster, passed away, they just had to had to blow it up. Man, man, think of what that team could have been, and not to drive that home, but to think of what that Marlins team could have been had all of them really been able to stick together. The Marlins have been a franchise for now 30 years. They've made the postseason three times. They made it in 2020. They swept the Cubs in that shortened year. And then the other two times they made it was 1997 and 2003. They won the World Series in both those years. So they are three for 30 on making the postseason and have won the World Series twice. Kind of crazy. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Casey, I saw you just fly it up on the screen a, uh, a few seconds ago. Before we get to the Bengals, though, take that off. We got to talk about the Bengals report. Oh. Let me get it up. I can, I can do, do Encore do, Technology. Do, 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 do. Encore Technologies. They provide something. They provide IT solutions. Who do they provide it for, Reed? Uh, 
Can I do the Pawnee read? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can do the Pawnee read. I'll do yeah. the I'll do the Encore one. All right, I'll let you read. Find Encore the, Technologies the provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Productivity. Stole it from you. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Read. Take uh, it away. Well, honest question, Casey. When you were hungover after you puked all over your sedan, <laughs> did you find a need to hydrate yourself? Because if you did it so with regular water, you were just undermining the whole system that is your body. You need to get some alkaline water because it's been proven to show superior hydration benefits. And no one does alkaline be water better than Pawnee Water right here in Hamilton, Ohio. They make it right across the street, and this stuff tastes great. It's the best-tasting water out there. They use natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial filtration that all these other brands use. So here's a story. I'm driving down to Nashville. I get a bottle of water, alkaline water. Obviously, it was down in Kentucky. Pawnee Water hasn't stretched that far. I immediately look at the ingredients and what do they have as water and then all these salt components to, to make it alkaline water. And they add those for taste. You look at the Pawnee bottle right here. Ingredients, only water. That's how good this stuff is. Natural limestone filtration right here in Hamilton, Ohio. You can find the best tasting water in the world at their website, PawneeWater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. You can see where you can find this stuff. If you live here in Butler County, you can find it at some of the local um, gas stations. Be sure to put in the Discord or send us a picture if you find a bottle of Pawnee Water. Yeah. That would be a fun little um, game of hide-and-seek. That would, and I'm not even – being funny about it, I actually did have a little pawnee water. Nice. <laughs> so like, well, it's it's it, the superior hydration. There's nothing funny about that, Casey. Yeah, it is. I wish I would have been in it en enough to know that to take a picture of it. But you wish you, you you wish you would have been with it enough. Yeah. To take some pictures. Yeah. Paul Paul had to hydrate all day Friday. My man was sweating bullets at what he had to do in the afternoon, and the only thing that kept him hydrated through that stressful time was pawnee water. So I, again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go through everything because I'm sure Tom's going to ask questions tomorrow to, to, to both Casey and I about this weekend. This weekend feels like it lasted 10 years. Friday afternoon, getting off the show feels like a hundred years ago. So did, did you have like what you were going to say when you got down on that knee? I, I drove to Chatterbox Sports in silence for probably three straight weeks. Not one podcast, nothing for three weeks. Did you listen to The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel? Better version by Disturbed. You ever heard that version? Oh, yeah. That's better. Guys, That's come much on. better. All right, move on. I, I, I can't hear I've, I know the Simon and Garfunkel version. That's the one I grew up on. But if you ever done the Disturbed version, that's a, elite. Anyway, so I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm in the car. I'm not, not listening to anything. Thinking through in my head what I'm going to say. No idea. No, totally blacked out. No clue. It was the first time, truly, truly, I joke sometimes about this. First time in my life, truly, I was speechless. Had no clue what I was going to say. I thought for sure that I was going to be the one that was, like, under control and knew what I was doing and thinking. and like, Very much her. She was, like, kind of, like, laughing, like, nervously, like, oh, my God. Like, this is, I thought she was going to be bawling her eyes out. She was so surprised. She had no idea. 
she was so surprised that she started like anxiously laughing. And then I go, okay, this is good. Like th this is good. And then I just totally forgot what I was saying. No clue. Same thing happened to me, Paul. Don't worry. <laughs> so I had, I had, when I proposed, I had a full like thing I was going to say, it was, I wrote it out. It was beautiful. And I get down on that knee and I realize, man, there's a lot of eyes on me at this very moment. And this every second when I'm down on this knee feels like an eternity. So I start like regurgitating this short speech that I wrote. And Mariana looks at me and she goes, what are you saying? Yeah, yeah. The answer is yeah. And I'm just like, all right, here you go. All right. No, that's <laughs> yeah. That was that was the thing. So, well, the the funniest part was that I had the the Xavier basketball photographer took the picture, and he it was a very natural thing the way it happened that it wasn't out of the ordinary. He was standing there. He had been taking grad picks all week long, so he was there anyway. And he, he it just basically was we pulled up. And he just, we were standing there talking. He goes, hey, by the way, you know, you guys look nice right now. You want me to take a picture? Obviously, that was all planned. But, hey, do you want to take a picture? And so as we were standing there taking the picture, we took a couple of normal ones before I actually did it. And she, when I turned to start talking to her, she started to, like, pull away because she thought it was awkward that I was talking to her so nicely in front of the photographer. She was like, this is really sweet, but like, can you do this later? And I was like, no, 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 like I'm trying to do something right now. And then she very quickly like picked up on what was going on. But initially she started to like kind of back away a little bit and go, uh, you know, because obviously if I, if that's not what I was doing, then it would have been a very, because there were other people over to the side taking grad picks and stuff. People were still leaving campus from an event that night, but no, it was great. It was fun. It was great. a lot of fun. Everything great. worked out. Nice. Um, all right, let's do the Bengal schedule. We did not go through all of this yet. So let's get through it. R Casey. Yes. Your overall take on this. Because Friday's takes on it were a little jumbled. So let me, let me get your thoughts on this and how it shook out. Yeah. So for the first six weeks, I think, you know, the Bengals have a easy stretch here. But the first two games are the most important games in the entire season. It's just there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They got to win these two. Start off really hot. Start 2-0 in the division, and you have a, a foothold that will last you probably the whole rest of the season if you do go 2-0. I mean, they don't play another divisional game after week two until week 11. Yep. So, I mean, I I think that's the most important. I will say dollar getting – Dollar in the jar. Getting a bye week to prepare for the 49ers is a blessing in disguise, especially with a team that – loves to game plan and attack your weaknesses. At least now we have an extra week to try to expose whatever the 49ers might try to do with us. I love the week nine Sunday night football game with the Bills. Um, I thought maybe it would be a little earlier just because of the um, DeMar Hamlin uh, potentially coming back and playing. I, I thought maybe that they would want to make sure that he gets to play this game. Um, however, you know, week nine, I like that game a lot. Sunday night football, that's going to be a lot of eyes on that one. And then they get a easy game with the Texans and then turn around and play the Ravens. And I did look this up that the Ravens also play on that short week too. So both of us will have four days to prepare for each other. And uh, that being at Baltimore, 
Um, that's going to be a very important game, obviously. What really stinks is that we turn around and play the Steelers right after, after playing really hard against the Ravens. I'm not so sure. If you were to start giving them wins and losses here, I'm not sure if you can give them back-to-back -back wins against those two teams. I think that's a really tough and tall task to do. Um, underrated game of the whole season, I think, is the Jaguars Monday night football game. Um, that's two number ones going against each other. The last time they did that, it came down right to the end, right to the wire. I think that's a game that we can all um, appreciate and, and find uh, very challenging for the Bengals. Um, that's also a game that if we were going to go to an away game late in the season, that is the one that I think you and I both agreed. It'd be fun to go down and just have a couple beers in the pool early December, mm. you know, just that's have a good the away time. game I picked. Yeah, that's definitely the one I would pick too. Um, and then after that, you know, it, it's the Colts. Uh, they have a better roster than the Texans, but they're still kind of rebuilding. I'm not so sure if I believe in the Vikings anymore. They lost a lot of pieces this off season. And I think they didn't, they just trade away to Smith as well. So, I mean, that, that's really tough um, for me to really consider them uh, a threat, especially when I know they can't stop us on offense. I don't really believe in their, uh, their offense too much. And then we play Steelers December 23rd. So they get, they get uh, Christmas Day off, and uh, they can celebrate Christmas Eve. I like that for the Bengals. Um, and then we go ahead and play the Chiefs, probably for the number one seed in, in the AFC. And hopefully by the time week 18 rolls around, we're uh, resting our guys, hopefully. I, I, would, I hope that would be the case, but we'll see. Um, and that, those are my overall thoughts. The one other thing I'd like to mention, too, is that we only have six 1 p.m. games. Everything else is at either four or eight or you know on a thursday or monday is is it crazy that we're playing the seahawks at 1 p.m <laughs> is that crazy because they're a west coast team that's at home i i get it but that means that seahawks fans are going to be watching that at 10 a.m yeah or 9 a.m yeah i don't know 10 I, yeah i i haven't really looked at and i haven't been really paying attention much to how the west coast schedules are but that is kind of strange. Well, I, typically when you play a West Coast team, unless they're just like the bottom of the barrel, which, I mean, the Seahawks, what, made a postseason last year and, and should should make it again this year, or at least are favored to. Playing them at 1 p.m. to where you have to watch them. If you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, you're, you're getting up, getting out of bed, and the game's on. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals and the 49ers, they're, I know that that is in the West Coast, but those are slated at four, you know, Um Every everyone except for the Seahawks on the West Coast is that's a just later typically game. what they do. I, yeah. I I wonder if that game well it can't get flexed because it's too early in the season. But interesting. You guys ready for this one? The Chiefs. Yeah. The Chiefs only play two games at one o'clock or noon Central Time. Every other game is either four twenty-five or a primetime game. They only have two normal one o'clock. How many primetime games do they have? You they, can only have what five. Yeah. Six, you can have six. Six, yeah. Week one, the Lions, the opening game. Jaguars, week two, they play at one. And they're at 425 against the Bears. 
They play a Sunday night game against the Jets, 425 at the Vikings. Uh, Thursday night game against the Broncos, 425 against the Chargers, 425 against the Broncos. Dolphins uh, in uh, – uh, where is that? That's that's across the pond, isn't it? That's at eight. Yeah. That's at eight thirty a.m. I don't know one of the one of the international games. Monday yeah, night, fo- Monday night football. Sunday uh, afternoon, Sunday night football. Sunday afternoon, Monday night football. Monday. Why are they playing at month on at noon? Oh, that's Christmas. 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 They play it. Yeah, at they noon. Play on Christmas. They play on Christmas at, at noon. Which is one o'clock Eastern. Sunday, that week seventeen game against the Bengals, four twenty-five, and then an undecided time against the Chargers in week eighteen. So only two games at a normal NFL time. That's crazy. Bengals have what four? Yeah, we have four, but I'm imagining that we're gonna get some games flexed at some point. And if you want to consider like. Saturdays. I know it's not technically prime time, but that's going to be the only game on on Saturday, more than likely at 4.30. Yeah, yep. So, I don't know. So, fun story about this schedule drop. You guys were talking about away games that you'd go to. So, I have been selected to be the best man of my best friend's wedding, yep. who is uh, not Thomas. Um. It's on December 31st. My buddy said, for the bachelor party, he wants to go to a road Bengals game. So he said, all right, Chiefs is the number one game we want to go to. Ravens, Steelers are the games that we'd want to go to after that. So obviously, December 31st doesn't work for Chiefs because that's the day of his wedding. Um, The secondary option was go to Pittsburgh. Well, that's a week before the wedding, and it's also uh, Christmas weekend. So that's a big old no. Okay, what about Cleveland? Well, that's the first week of the season, so that's four months away from his wedding, so that was a big old no. So we had to readjust the whole the whole plans. We're going to go to Nashville. I think that, I think. You are going to Nashville. So we're going to go over to St. Louis to watch the Reds play the Cardinals on Friday, and then we're going to drive to Nashville from St. Louis on Saturday and then go to Nashville. It's gonna be a long trip. Yeah, what are the chances this actually happens? It's it's in the it's it's in the it's in the it's planned. This seems oh, like a planned. lot of logistics. It does it does seem. It's a five hour ride to St. Louis, a three hour drive from St. Louis to Nashville, and a four and a half hour ride home. A lot of time in the car. A lot, of, a lot of, that's where the memories are made. Yeah. What's the tra- what's the travel situation? Are you guys going in one like big van or what are you doing? Well, there's gonna be like twelve people invited, so Oh. So no. So no. So we're not taking the roadhouse truck? The roadhouse truck? Yeah, that's what I'm going to nickname your your truck. Also the perfected transportation. But Talk me through the roadhouse truck. I don't get it. The peanuts? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Roadhouse truck. So my dad, when we drove out to Kansas City, my dad, the second that we get into Indiana, stops off and he gets a bag of peanuts. And he, instead of, like, putting them in a separate bag or something like that, is just cracking them and throwing them on the floor of my truck. He basically treated my truck like a pre-COVID Texas roadhouse. Like, I mean, just chopping peanut shells everywhere in my truck. We stopped for for gas at one point, and I just threw away his peanut. Like, I just, like, threw it all away. I was like, we're not doing this anymore. (laughs) Went on for a whole eight-hour car ride. That's why it's called the roadhouse truck. I get it now. Or... Perfected transportation. It did perfect transportation. The 2010 Silverado 1500 was the perfection of transportation. 
Nathan Hines would like to know, Reed, do you think your friend refers to you as my best man, Reed, when talking to other people? He should. That's the only – you've got to qualify – when you're talking about someone, you've got to qualify him, as Casey does with, like, my fiancé, Alex, or my best man, Tomas. I'll forever have the memory, Nathan Hines and I uh, – he doesn't know this, but we're forever linked because on Saturday night at the uh, bachelor party, at Casey's bachelor party – I was talking to Nathan Hines, which, by the way, fantastic guy. Yes. yes Great guy. Awesome, man. Like, for anybody in the chat that has been reading Nathan Hines' comments for the last nine months, great guy. He, uh, I was talking to him about my girlfriend, Lizzie, and then I had to correct myself and say, fiance. So that was the first time I said that out in the wild, and it was to our guy, Nathan Hines. Nice. Had had to correct myself on that one. Uh, But that that is a good question. The best man read. So we're we're all we're all in that boat. I got asked a couple weeks ago to do that. Nice. So, so we're all we're all kind of in that boat now. Me and me and Casey are having a, a best man off to see who Paul because you know me we've been best friends since yes. we were like six. Absolutely. So me and me and Casey are gonna have a best man off to see I, who gets to selected. Uh, I think it should be a gladiator <laughs> duel. Right. A gladiator I, duel. I'm not I'm not I'm not counting out Tom as, <laughs> Tom as Tom. the best man. <laughs> Tom, if you're listening, it's on. What about Tomas? What if I just came out of left field and said, "Hey, you did a pretty good job with Casey. I'll just hire you." Yeah, you, you want, I don't know him that well, but you want to hire someone with experience, right? Yeah, yeah. you don't you don't want to get a first time hire. So that's a good call. That's a good call. His lady or his lady. I'm reading the chat. His experience, his resume, that checks out. Hmm. Good job. Good job on Thomas for planning that hey, on Saturday, he, by the way. He's all for it, it sounds like. All right, good. Leader of men, a joust. Thomas changed his profile picture. That's going to take a little bit of getting used to. That is going to take uh, some time to get used to. Reed, your Leaf. thoughts. Oh, 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 yes, we do have some news. Leaf is back. Leaf is back. I, I think Leaf needs to to get – Leaf, if you're listening, put it – put get yourself a, a picture. The L, although it doesn't it doesn't seem very becoming of Leaf to, to go out and change his profile. So, I don't know. That seems like too narcissistic of, of Leaf to do. Correct. And Leaf's been on it. I was surprised to find out that Leaf was a Reds fan, considering he was a Vikings fan. Thought he'd maybe be like a Pirates fan or something like that, but I guess there's no Viking alternative. I haven't been reading the chat much. Is he a, is he a Reds fan? Yeah, he's, he's saying Matt McClain has Viking blood. Uh, mm. Whole nine yards. So. Happy well, to see Leaf back. Happy to yeah. see Leaf are, are, are they happy to see Leaf back? Because he's been gone for a while. They thought we banned him or something. Yeah, like I thought that. I thought maybe like the helmet would really draw him back in. Oh, draw boy. him back in. Mm. I don't know what he thinks of this. He hasn't really made too much comments on this because he hasn't been around for it. Correct. Correct. But I, I will not wear it out of respect unless he tells me that I'm allowed to wear it. Well, we got to see how the Reds do today, Casey. Maybe do it when Tom comes back tomorrow. Maybe. Read your thoughts on the Bengals schedule. We haven't gotten yours at all yet. I tweeted this out when the schedule came out, and I truly believe this. When the Bengals schedule used to come out years ago, you would look at it, and you would start pecking them off, right? You'd be like, uh, here's a win here, here's a loss here, here's a win here, here's a loss here. And you're trying to convince yourself in a back when it was a 16-game season, like, oh, they'll go 10-6. and six. They'll make the postseason, maybe win the division. You try to talk yourself into that. The state of the Bengals right now is the schedule comes out, and, the, and I don't care. Like, I don't. I'm not reading it be like week one's a win, week two's a loss, week three's a win, week four's a win. You're not doing that anymore because I truly believe that the Bengals are one of the best teams 
in the league. So you don't you're not counting up wins and losses because the goal isn't to make the postseason anymore. That's not the goal. It just it almost I mean maybe I'll put my foot in my mouth if the Bengals don't make the postseason here, but it just seems like that's that's not the goalposts. The goalposts have been shifted back. Now we're now you're trying to get back to the AFC Championship game as they have the past two seasons. Is the goal this season? I okay, wait. Let's step. Let's step back. The goal is always with this Bengals team, this iteration of the Bengals team, and how they have set themselves up for success now with this franchise. The Bengals, you would say, their goal every year now is to win the Super Bowl, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think a goal that I would say is realistic and a goal where I would say that this season is a success going into the Super Bowl would be hosting the AFC Championship game. We talked about making the postseason a couple of years ago, finally winning a playoff game, getting to the AFC Championship game, getting to the Super Bowl. Hey, check, 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 check. All in one playoff run. Now they got to host the AFC Championship game. That's what I'm looking for out of this Bengals schedule. Yeah, because because there's too many things that can go wrong. That we saw last year, the Bengals had the ball against the Chiefs, driving to win the game, couldn't do it, lose the game. Too many things can happen when you get to the Super Bowl or to a game like that. But to to host to be the number one overall seed in the AFC, I think is the realistic regular season goal for this schedule. Casey. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Home field advantage is just so important, right? I think we've seen it time and time again. All, all of us football sports fans just know home field advantage in terms of what it does for you on a football field is just so important, man. It just is. And I think there is something to be said that the jungle, it can get rocking, man. I mean, I don't know if you guys were – well. Were you there, the Ravens playoff game? Yeah. The Hubbard 100 dash? I was, or? I was I was sitting right behind the end zone where he got That's the ball right. and then we, ran away from me. You were, we, we all went, right? And I don't know about you guys, but I've never heard it that loud, ever. Mm. And it was rocking. It just completely changed the whole momentum of that game afterwards. I think the best part of that play was I had no idea what was happening because of where we were sitting in the scrum. It took until Hubbard was probably on the 30-yard line for me to even realize because of the way the players were and where I was sitting and everything and people, like, throwing stuff up and screaming. I'm like, I'm trying to jump. I'm like, what's going on here? Then I finally pick it up. It was a – yeah, you're right, Casey. Crazy scene. Reed? I almost jumped out of the stadium when that happened. All right, we're talking about the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Bills at uh, yeah. possibly being the number one seed. You know one team that might sneak up and, and might take the number one seed? Okay. I like this take already. The Jacksonville Jaguars. They play in the easiest division in the in the conference. And every elite team that they play, they don't play on the road. So they play the Chiefs at home. They play the Bengals at home. They play the 49ers at home. They play the B- Bills overseas. Uh, they play the, Vi- the, the Ravens at home like... All their tough games are at home, and they don't have that tough of a schedule because of how sorry their division is. They won 10 games last year, correct? Yeah. Or were they 9-8? and eight? They were either 9 or 8. I think they won 10. 10, 10 okay. 7, Regardless, I don't think it's too outlandish to, to think that they sweep their division. 
go six and zero. Oh. They won nine. They won nine. Okay, so they sweep their division because their division's sorry, and they they play these tough teams at at home. They they split those and then take care of the rest of the business. You're looking at a team that could easily go thirteen and four. Yeah, and that might win the that that might be the number one overall seed. Yeah, and I don't even know. It, like, if you just look at their schedule, they don't really. Have, now, this I'm definitely stealing a take from from Colin Coward here, but but they don't play elite quarterbacks back to back to back either. Like, it's yeah. all spread out. Everything for them is perfectly spread out, and they have ho- like home field advantage for all their tough games. That is a underrated team that could potentially get the number one seed. And I was just doing the same thing with the Bengals here. And unfortunately, it just feels like they they play uh, they play a lot of potentially really good uh, quarterbacks. Sometimes back to back, sometimes not. But if I, I'm going to just put it up one more time, just so I can go through it with you guys, I'm not ready to crown Sean Watson yet. But we all know what he was capable of doing, being a top five quarterback. So right. it's not out of the question that he could potentially come back to to his glory, but it wouldn't matter because Browns stink. Anyways, Lamar, I'm going to give him the elite status. When he's on the field, that team is just different. Heck yeah, Casey. What a 180 from where you were in November telling me that. I, I still don't that, think it was Tyler better. Huntley is a better I, option. I still don't think that they should have signed him, but regardless, uh, Matthew Stafford, I think we all know what he's capable of doing. I think he's been kind of under the radar here. I know, uh, I think OJ will agree with me on that one. Um, Geno Smith, that's another one that's underrated. I've been saying this for a while now. Seahawks, underrated team. Then you got Lamar, or you got Josh Allen, I'm sorry. We don't know what the uh, 49ers are going to be yet. I know that's a tough game just because of their defense, and um, I know Brock Purdy was on fire, but we don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be like, so I'm going to skip over them for now. Josh Allen, elite quarterback. Then we got to play... Lamar again, Trevor Lawrence, and then depending on what time that Vikings game is, Kirk Cousins, 1 p.m., better watch out. And then we play Mahomes again and Deshaun again. So I don't know, man. That That's it's not brutal by any stretch of the means, but it's definitely not as favorable as the Jaguar schedule is for, for first place. So I'm I with you. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on the on that take. I like Jacksonville to potentially take that first seed, but they got to take the step forward too, right? They got to show that they have uh, that they're progressing. I, you know, that offensive line also got hurt as of late. They got they got that guy that that was that was suspended. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, they tried to draft to replace that option. Um, they lost their starting right tackle as well. So hopefully that they don't uh, lose a step on in, in that regard. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like your, your take there, Reed. Nice. nice. All right. Thanks. That's just I yeah. just fire off good takes left and right. Yeah. That's what I do best. That's what you do. Expert. You show up. Reed shows up here mm. on the show, and he just fires off takes. I will not be here Friday. Reed will be sitting over there again on Friday, and Reed will be with Tom, Casey. It'll be a, a great show on Friday for you, and Reed – you're going to have some takes. And you also, how are we handling the chat power rankings this week? Do we give it to Tom? Do we, do we, do we give Whoa. it to Tom? Whoa. Now that's the rotation a going. You, you are the one that started the rankings. You're the one that's in charge of them. 
So your options, chat. We'll leave it up to the chat. Maybe maybe make a poll. Yeah, I'll maybe make, make a, poll. a poll. I'll make a poll. That it'll either be me. Who do you want handling the chat power rankings? Do you want Tom for the first time ever, or do we want to keep it amongst the Ham and Eggers? So, if Tom actually gave out legitimate chat power rankings, I'm I would be interested to see how it goes. I I don't know I don't know what I have no idea what his criteria criteria would be. Right. I don't know what he would, how he would rank them. I don't know how many people he would rank. I say he's eventually gonna have to do it. So why not it be this Friday? Why not? Why I not? say I say we have Tom do it this Friday. I, I if I had to guess, I'm gonna say that the vote's gonna pretty easily win Tom's way. Hmm. Yeah, I mean everyone's already got our opinions at least once, right? So right. we haven't gotten Tom one time yet. So I would vote for Tom. All right. Do we want to talk about the NBA playoffs now, or do we want do we do we want to talk about the NBA playoffs? Oh yeah. Well, well, Reed, we also have some business that you and I need oh, no. to talk about. Oh, we have business. You and I have some major, major business that we need to talk about. That's a tease. That's we a could tease. do it now. Do you want me to just go straight into it? I don't know if I want to tease the people. Read our beloved Dallas Stars oh, play a game, game seven. seven tonight. Game seven tonight. I knew you were going to go, Stars. <laughs> knew you were going to go. I cannot. Are they, are they playing defense in these games? Have you been seeing the scores? The scores are outrageous. I have not watched one second of any of them. Not one second. But the scores are outrageous. What's going on? I Listen, these are the scores of the six games. In the first game, nine goals scored. Second game, six scores. Six goals are scored. Then went nine, nine, seven, and nine. So four of the six games that have been played, at least nine goals have been scored. The Kraken have scored seven and six goals in two different games. I'll tell you what, it's going to come down to defense. More than ever, the Stars are missing Ben Bishop. I don't know how we let Ben Bishop go. Same. But we've got to, we got to rein it in. I think the Stars, if they can get through this Game 7, are the team to beat still in the postseason. The total in this game tonight on the Betfred Sportsbook, which thank you to Betfred Sportsbook, as always, for sponsoring this show. The Kraken Stars game tonight, which starts at 8-10. Mm -hmm. The total at even money is 6. They... Like it's it's five and a half or six and a half. I know. It, it's I know. That's just six. how hockey. It, no, it's six. It's exactly at six. It's six. They have not gone under six one time in this series. And they've gone over by a lot. They've gone over. Every, they've gone over six every game but one. They've gone exactly six in game two. No way! It doesn't happen again tonight. Oh, it's a Ooh. lock. It's Put a it lock. in, baby. Put it in. No doubt. If you want some free money from Betfred Sportsbook, just take the over. You know what? Go ahead and sprinkle that with the Stars money line, too. A Stars money line, which they are favored by a favored. significant amount. They've been amount. favored every game by, like, 2-1. to one. But they're at home tonight. Plus so. 193 for the over and the Stars on the money line. Mm. There it is. In That's, Dallas. I mean, you've got a ring payment now. Just go ahead and... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, so this is funny. The chat will appreciate this. I don't know if I told you guys this. So the first day that I went in to go inquire about the ring and like have the, the, the first appointment day was the same day that Jackie died. Oh, man. So That's I thought I was going to have a car payment you and thought... the ring on the 
not I wasn't gonna have to pay for the ring on the same day, but like in my mind, I was thinking car ring same day. It was laugh out loud funny. So when I got the call from Firestone that they said you might want to start looking into a new car, I was 20 minutes from having to go over to the jeweler, mm. and my life just flashed before my eyes, and I mm. immediately started to make sure that I picked winners and not just losers. A, just <laughs> just imagine here in about t two years, Paulie. You'll, you'll have a mortgage, you'll have two car payments, <laughs> and uh, you'll pay it off the ring by then. No, I, I paid for the ring up front. Oh, nice. I, paid, I, I saved and saved and saved and saved. I paid for it up front. So nice. no financing going on there. Paid for it straight up. There it is. There you go. Paid for it straight up. Look so I don't, don't have to worry about that. Savvy. Yes. But I do now have the wedding and a house and probably a car that I'm going to have to worry about down the line. 2010 Silverado. So yeah. Perfected transportation. Mm -hmm. NBA playoffs. Before we get to the NBA playoffs, let's just start off the top with what in the world John Moran is thinking. God. Or not thinking. What it is a very clear ground rule. Don't show off a gun. Don't have a gun, but don't show off the gun. And it, it, it was only on the Instagram live for a half a second. And that's all it took. Yeah. What is he thinking? I mean, it, to be to be completely honest with you, I think the I understand the president that are the pres the precedent that has been set for him that you you can't show a gun on Instagram Live or just on live in general. I do think it's dumb that you can get in trouble for showing a, a weapon, especially the way that he did it, which was like almost off the cuff on someone else's Instagram live for a half second. And now they're talking about suspending him for 40 something plus games, but it's already been set. You can't show a gun. You're going <laughs> to get suspended. What are you doing? It's already there. Like you've already been told the rules have been set and they're strictly enforcing it at this point. I mean, the, the rumor mill is what? 40 plus games. That's like a, it's half of, the season. Yeah. And there's only 82 doing? games in a regular season. That's such a joke at this point, honestly. He's definitely not a nut cutter, as Tom would say. Oh, not definitely a nut cutter. Not. How do we get the NRA involved in this? This seems like their jurisdiction, guys. This is, this is the right to bear arms. John Moran's just taking up his constitutional right. Free the man. Is this a free country or not? Come on. I mean, what is the, you know what, you know what this is? It's the employer dictating what your life can be. You know, the, your employer says, this is the rules that you have to follow. This is the, the, the politics that you out. have to believe. Yeah, yeah he's clocked he's out. He's clocked but it, out. But it's his employer punishing him. We have rights. This is ridiculous. And they shall not be infringed. <laughs> Read the Constitution, Adam Silver. Come on. Read any more thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> Want to tell us how you really feel? <laughs> yep, I can see. Okay. God, what a clown. I just don't understand. And look, I'm not in that position. I, I could never even dream to be in that position to be a athlete like that at the level that John Moran is at. But you would think if it's happened one time and you've been warned one time, and you know what's coming. 
that maybe, just maybe, you don't do it again. Yeah, I mean... You just don't do it again. It's common sense. And you know, uh, you look on Twitter and you see guys like, I think it was Paul Pierce that tweeted it out last night and talking about the, the generational difference and some of these older players that need to guide the younger players and and show these guys the way and make sure that everybody's keeping their head on straight and making the right decisions and you know so many guys have have gone through the NBA and have you know transformed their lives and done so many good things and now have become so successful you know even outside of actually what they've done on the court because of how they played on the court and it's just a shame it's a shame it is a shame, man. So it goes. You know, it's an infringement so. on freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some players that didn't show up to not cut in time. There's two of them, there's, Casey. There's two of them. Two big ones. I hate to say that Tom was right, but Joel and James Harden, man, they just stink, man. When it mattered most, they just stunk. What what, what what's going on with they them? Can't they, you alone. can't you can't trust the process. You can't trust oh, the no. process. They just Oh, Tom was right all along, and I hate to say it, but he was right. What are we doing? They played horribly when it mattered. Horrible. What was the final score? 88 to 118 or something like that? They lost 112 to 88. Oh, my gosh. 112 to 88 in a decisive game seven. 112 to 88. How do you let that happen? The league MVP. <laughs> it's Joel Embiid and James Harden, what they did, or better said, did not do yesterday was flat out embarrassing. Flat out embarrassing. How do you perform so terribly at a moment like that when your team needs you as much as they did yesterday? I mean, that is un. Believable. It all. It, it truly looked in that game yesterday like they just didn't want to be there or they didn't want to win the game. And then for Joel Embiid to get up there in the post game press conference Wild. and say that he can't do it on his own. Right. Played terrible, and then he's like, "I can't do it by myself." Guys, combined for James Harden James. and Joel Embiid, eight of twenty nine. For 27%. Then that's not even including the fact that they went one for nine on three. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's just time to scrap the process. I think the process is done. Yeah, I, it's I, over. I, I think, and maybe this goes back to Tom being right again about trusting the process. The, the process is done. If the process wasn't done before last night, the process is done now. You look at Doc Rivers, not able to win in crunch time. Wait a minute, not a nut cutter. Doc Rivers. Yeah. I mean, it, when it comes down to to when he needs to win in Game Seven, I'm sure he's at least not now, at least not anymore. He, he was one. at one point. 2008, right? 2000, yeah, back in the late 2000s, he most certainly was. But whatever that was back then is not around now. Well, you want to know what's even crazier? The opposite happened for the Celtics. Jason Tatum just balled out. Mm. 51. 51. Just dropped it on their heads. I mean, dropped it on their heads. I mean, I just, 
I don't know, man. It, it is. I'm very frustrated because I was very hoping that Joel and James could maybe make it to the finals because I wanted to see James get a try to get a ring for one. Um, I also was on the train that Joel should have had an MVP at some point. Like he played well enough. It's not his fault that one of the better centers of our, our time uh, over in the Nuggets. Um, Jokic? Jokic is just every single day putting up a triple-double. But anyways, I just – I was hoping – I was as a fan, I was hoping for the 76ers to win because I'm tired of the, the Celtics always being good. And that's just me as an NBA fan. I hate when teams are just always in the in the picture. Like when I think of the Celtics, I think of like the Steelers or the Ravens or the Cowboys or whoever. Just these teams that are like historically great, yeah, always in the picture. Sure. And they just flop. They did. They, they just they stink. PB's Ghost asks: Is Doc Rivers the Dusty Baker of the NBA? Feels feels fair. It. Uh, maybe a little on a flip because Dusty was the one that it took so long to win. Did it at the end of his career. Did it at the end of his career. Doc did the winning at the beginning of his coaching career. But it's the similar thing in that they they constantly have great regular season teams. Then when it comes to NC and nut cutting or NCT nut cutting time, nut cutting time and net cutting time didn't show up. I really thought this was going to be the series for the 76ers. We talked about it the other day. I was very wrong. Tom asked the question, do the Sixers or the Celtics win this series when the Sixers were up three games to two? I thought, Sixers, they get it done. No. And not only did they not get it done, you look at the second half of that game yesterday, Philadelphia was winning in the second quarter. I think by yeah. nine, maybe. Yeah. Nine or ten points in the second quarter. Yeah. They got blown out. Blown out by Jason Tatum because, as you said, Casey, when push came to shove, Jason Tatum, the star for the Celtics, showed up, and Joel Embiid goes on after the game to say that he can't do it by himself. When, oh, by the way, you have James Harden, who single-handedly, pretty much, won the Sixers game one without Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. Right. And then Joel Embiid gets up there yesterday in a game that they – very clearly could have won if the two of them had performed to their peak level. But nope. Not even close. Not good. No. Switching it over to the Western side. Yeah, oh, yeah. Big time. What would it mean for LeBron James's legacy to win this year? Hmm. I think it would mean a lot. I truly do. We have Ohio Lakers 513 in the chat. Massive Lakers fan. I think, would this be LeBron's best title? I think it would be. I mean, I'm a big LeBron guy anyway. I love LeBron. But would this be LeBron's best title? It's the best path that he's probably ever had to face. More than Cleveland. Come on. No way it's more than 2016 Cleveland. No way. The 3-1 series? Yeah. 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 No but way well, better than that. Well, this, I think what he's saying is like this is probably the second best maybe. Well, which would then solidify that. The 3-1 th the, the the series, though, that – that 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 Warriors team was really good. I guess I'm more so thinking of they, they had the they, they had the regular season record for wins that year. No, I know, I know, I know they did. But something even still to me, looking at this year versus versus that year, the path that you take to get to that point. Yeah, right? because once you got to once you got to that three one lead, 
And then, you know, Draymond gets suspended and some wacky, you know. This, I, this does not top 2016. It was his hometown, brought it for his hometown, came home to do that, did it against the best team in regular season history, down 3-1. Nothing can top that. And that doesn't take away from what it would mean to win this series. Yeah. What it would mean right. to, to go into the NBA Finals to beat the Nuggets, who had a fantastic regular season, who have arguably the best player in the game. Steve Ross makes a, a good point in the chat, and maybe this is more along the lines of what I was trying to say, maybe the most unexpected. Because the back in 2016, the, right. the, the Cavs, they were going to be in the Finals. Like, there Correct. was no question that they were going to be in the well, Finals. Well, not true. If you remember that, that – uh. The Celtics were good that year, right? Yeah, but but still, that that was that was peak LeBron. I mean, we there was you went into the season expecting. Okay, fair enough. You went into the season. Yes, that you're right. They were good, but you went into the season expecting it to be Steph and LeBron in the finals. There was people saying that the Lakers could be out of the playoffs entirely. Yeah, no, totally, totally even, missed even, the playoffs. Yeah, totally yes. missed. That's yes, true. and now we're at a point where if they they can find a way to beat the Nuggets. I mean, this would be the the most unexpected turnaround for a team that had high expectations before. It's just very weird. It's a very weird uh, way that they've gotten here. And if you look at how they got here, you could argue maybe that Golden State wasn't the best this year as they have been in previous years. Yeah. But it was maybe one of the bigger hurdles for them to get to get past them to now you gotta play the Nuggets, who are odds on favorite, probably. And then if they can do that, they're not gonna probably be favored in the finals. Between well the Celtics. The, and the... I'm expecting the Celtics yeah. to probably get past that, but would be laugh out loud funny if it was the Lakers and the Heat again. 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 NBA rigged. <laughs> but, no, I, I think what I'm more so getting at with this season with the Lakers is looking at what their path would have been to get through, to get to the title, to get through the Warriors again, to get through the Nuggets, which is what they would have to do, and then to beat potentially the Celtics if it's the Celtics that win it. I know the 3-1 series, you can't take any way, anything away from that because that was the first time that had ever been done. But something to me in the back of my mind can't shake a 38-year-old LeBron beating the Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Celtics in a year where they were more likely than not going to miss the playoffs. That's, that says something it, to me. You are absolutely right that it is his most unexpected championship it is yeah. not his best nothing will top what he did for cleveland yeah. in 2016 he yeah. came home to win a ring he did it being the it. best team in regular season history and did it down 3-1 this year is will be his second best and this will be number five yeah that's but a man, lot has i i don't recall has how many players have won rings with three different teams oh i i mean in i'd have NBA? to do some digging yeah yeah i don't know i, th I think it would be the first one robert horry didn't do it because Robert Horry won seven. Robert, yeah, Ori won. Ori won uh, with the Spurs, and he beat LeBron. Yeah. In two thousand seven, whatever that was. Did it with the Lakers, right? Yeah. Big shot, Rob. Hmm. I have to go back and look. Um. Okay. The and you know the other thing, and again, we'll just kind of keep going back to this. I can't confirm that this was from Bedford Sportsbook, but somewhere 
The Denver Nuggets were plus 1,100. Plus 1,100 to win the title before the playoffs started. Really? The Nuggets were the best team in the West. The number one seed in the West was plus 1,100 to win the title. Who did they expect to go over then? The Suns? I think the Suns were the favorites. The Suns, the Warriors, then the Nuggets in the West. LeBron James is the fourth person to win with three different teams. Fourth. Okay. Who were the other three? John Smalley, Robert Ory, and Danny Green. Danny Green? My bad. John Sally. But Danny Green hit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ori did it. Nice. Okay. Big shot Rob. Big shot Rob. Um, Okay. We have about 10 minutes left in the show right now before we get to the cherry on top, which I believe... I, oh, you know what? Let's go to, um, let's do, let's do the NASCAR. Oh my God. Let's do Reed's weekend. Thank you. Reed has, what you're about to hear from Reed is something that we heard through the weekend in our text thread and Reed needs to vent. He needs to get this off his chest. And you know what? I don't blame him because when he talked me through all of this and how this went down, I don't use the word unbelievable much. But this is unbelievable, and in a bad way, this sucks for this guy. So, Reed, take it away. Okay, so I was in Nashville at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. They had a, a three-race uh, event, ARCA racing, which is what I was told. I don't know much about NASCAR. What I was told is the minor leagues of NASCAR. All the They were kids, like literally like 16 to 20-year-olds racing these cars. So the first two races go on. They're great, competitive. Um Go to this final race. It's a 200-lap race at the Nashville Speedway. This kid, William Sawalik, had pole position. So he started in front. He led the race for 198 laps and was smoking him, killing him. He was almost a full lap ahead of second place. If not, was I think he was almost a full lap ahead of second place. Lap 199, this happens. Is this the... Is this the Crash? Uh, I think so. Yes, yes. Go ahead and play this. So lap 199, this happens. They come around. So he's he's 18. He's getting ready to lap people. Those aren't who's in first place. He is lapping other people. That's how far ahead he was. He was 18. So they put the caution flag up for 199. They then all bunch together as the caution flag. And Casey, you got the other clip? Yep. I'll go. This is what happens. So he's 18, was leading by a whole lap. Here comes the restart. He's just got to win this lap. Doesn't get off on the right foot. Gets passed. They go around him on lap on turn one, turn two, gets the outside edge, and then eventually loses it. Loses the race. Led for an hour and a half, 198 laps. And because of a wreck on the final lap, everyone gets bunched together. How does the sport do this? I was so mad for this kid because he had been by far the best racer of the day. The only analogy that I could compare this to is imagine the Reds go into the final week of the series. They play the Cardinals. They are eight games back of the Cardinals going into the final game, game 162. The game gets rained out, and they decide to play it the next day. All of a sudden, the commissioner just goes, all right, whoever wins game 162 wins the division. 
That's the dumb. It, it's so dumb that this kid led for 198 laps, killed him, and then on the final lap because someone else's car wrecked, he loses his position and loses the race. It's almost. Uh, I don't want to say it's rigged, but it it feels kinda. I mean, like that was the last lap, and someone just happened to spin out and caused them all to bunch up. I don't like that. Oh, man. You're, you think it's rigged, Casey. Scripted. Oh, no. Just like the NFL. Every other sport. Scripted. William Sawalik. Go ahead and take the future for him to win Daytona in eight years. <laughs> Go ahead and take that future. And parlay that with the 2031 Masters odds for Charlie Woods. So, I didn't tell you this, but so I'm sitting in the infield, and they have the podium, right? They have the, the winner's circle. William Sawalik's family gathered at the podium with like 10 laps to go because he was so far out in front of everyone. Like his family was like getting ready to walk up on the podium to celebrate with him. And then this restart happens and he loses and they all had to be pushed back and the other kid wins. It was the... I, I felt I've never felt worse for an athlete. Know nothing about the sport, but I felt so bad for William Sawalik. Wow. <laughs> Poor guy. I, I know. And when you sent that, I, I was looking at it and I was trying to understand it. And then as soon as the we saw the video, it makes a whole lot more sense. Now, I don't have a comment on that because Reed covered all the bases and I we feel bad. Should we send him a gift card? No, I wonder how much money he makes. 16-year-old kid. He drives for Joe, Joe Gibbs. Like, that's who he's a part of. Gibbs Racing. Yeah. Love Joe Gibbs. Hmm. Washington legend. Uh, okay, we also have a cherry on top, and this cherry on top is a segment, and it's going to start with a video. In case you have the video that I sent you? Yeah. Okay. This is going to start with a segment. This is the UDF cherry on top. This is going to be the final 10 minutes of the show. So this was a – this is very much non-sports related. Not sports at all. This was from the Taylor Swift concert over the weekend in Philadelphia. Audio? Audio. Need the audio. Okay. She's in the middle of her set. She starts yelling at the security guard. So she starts yelling at the security guard because the security guard was yelling at I guess a fan for being too close to the rail or something. And the security guard was, and she's just like dancing around and the security guards yelling at the fan. And then Taylor Swift yells at the security guard. So I am asking you guys who is the one or two people in the world that you would not want to get yelled at by in a public setting like that. Getting yelled at by Taylor Swift at her own concert. Getting publicly shamed at the concert. Yes. Can you imagine it? Forget your opinion on Taylor Swift. The chat's blown up about Taylor Swift. Forget, forget, the, forget your opinion on Taylor Swift. There's a bigger point to this. You're getting publicly shamed in front of not only the crowd, because everybody's filming that, and then that video that I just showed you had 5 million views on Twitter. It went all over on Twitter, went all over on TikTok of people trying to find that security guard. Which they did, somebody on Twitter did have an oh, no. identity on that. I didn't see a name or anything, but like somebody saw who it was. 
Who is somebody that you would not want to get lit up by in public? The only thing I can think of being worse than getting yelled at by Taylor Swift at her own concert in front of thousands and thousands of fans and even fans sitting outside this stadium. Can you imagine getting yelled at by King Charles at his coronation? He just starts hollering at you like, get back. Like that's, that's the only thing I can think of at this very moment that'd be worse. If it's not a politician of high status like the president or, you know, just someone from like the White House where there's a lot of supporters like a rally, I would have to say like getting yelled at by someone that's beloved in a city of Cincinnati like Joe Burrow. Could you imagine him just being like, pipe down, man? Can you imagine if Leaf said something in the chat towards him? Oh, I'm already depressed. Just thinking about it. Mm. I was sad when Leaf left. He left because of me. It's very sad. We don't know that. We don't, we don't know that. I, I read. If I was at like 2002. Okay. 2002, we'll just say I'm 26 years old. Okay. If The Rock yelled at me. At a WWE at, at WrestleMania twenty, WrestleMania oh. twenty. If The Rock yelled at me, my life would be forever changed. I wouldn't be able to handle it. I would seriously have to do some soul searching. I don't know how I'd handle that. That's you were, my you were never a wrestling fan. No, I wasn't, but I was a massive and am a massive Rock fan. Never a wrestling fan. So I'm only imagining if I had been a wrestling fan and had gone to that WrestleMania and The Rock had shown up and say I was in the front row and I was disturbing whatever they were doing and he had the microphone and he, get back, son, what are you doing? I'd shrivel up. That would be an all-time low moment. What if instead of yelling at you, he just he just gave you the eyebrow, just looked at you and just... that would be a compliment (laughs) the player formerly known as mouse cop says that he had a medieval times actor yell at him at once one time in public seems seems about his pace um nick kirby's answer dolly parton oh man she is beloved could you imagine you're at the grand Ole opry you're You're in the front row you're at dollywood you're getting on a ride could you imagine like betty white if bless her soul if she was still here and she chastised you in front of everyone that'd be tough be tough to come back from man Mm. i don't know if there's any other answer taylor swift over the weekend sold out lincoln field lincoln stadium whatever that's called what's what's the eagles field called lincoln financial lincoln financial he he, she sold out the link three straight nights seventy thousand, and then on top of it on top of it there was 25 20 to twenty-five thousand fans sitting outside the stadium just dancing so I'm glad you brought that up. That was, the, that was the last thing I wanted to talk about with this concert. We have five minutes left in this show. We all know here, if you've been listening off the bench, Taylor Swift's coming to uh, Cincinnati. Also Hamilton. Also Hamilton. June, June 30th and July 1st. Paul Brown Stadium is an open-air stadium because all these crowds have been gathering outside of the stadium at the open-air yeah. shows, not so much at the shows where there's been a roof, but the open-air shows... Is this going to be a situation? Eventually, there's going to have to be some like crowd control here if this thing that happens in Philadelphia keeps building and building and building. What's I, it going to look like? Now, I, I'm I'm legitimately asking like, what are the banks going to look at? Look well, like? I imagine that. So I don't have tickets, but I could definitely see Mariana like calling me up and be like, "Hey, all my girlfriends are 
going down. We're going down to the banks, just going to sit outside the stadium because it's becoming a thing. I saw about a month ago when she played in Tampa, I have friends that are now in Tampa. She has – my friend has a, has a daughter, and she took her daughter to sit outside the stadium, and they just danced for two hours outside the stadium with, it, with her daughter, which was one of the most wholesome things I've ever seen. But now it's becoming a trend where, all right, if you can't get into the stadium, we're just going to sit outside and listen to the music and, and partake, and it'll be not like you're at the concert, but somewhat like you're at the concert. I, I could see the banks being completely filled. I could too. With the way that sound resonates down the street – and imagine if you wanted to beat traffic and you left – not that anybody would, but I'm sure there might be a handful of people. There's always those people, got to beat the traffic, got to beat the traffic, that would want to leave early. And you walk outside of the banks and there's 30,000 people just standing around out there. You're not beating anybody. So, Paul, I have a question. Okay. So, recently, you not only bought Lizzie a diamond ring. Yes. To ask her to be your wife. Which yes. Which she then said yes. She did. But you also got her Taylor Swift tickets, the hottest concert in decades, maybe. Truly, it, it literally yeah. might be the most, the hottest ticket in, yeah, in yeah. decades. You got her tickets for that. I don't think Lizzie's holding up her keep. What's she doing for you? That's a great question. Ooh. What's she doing for you? What's in it for you? You deserve better time. <laughs> <laughs> We're 48 hours into this. <laughs> it's a great question. I know she's got me down the line. I don't know what that looks like. Well, we'll see. Taylor Swift, yeah, we came through. I almost blew that. But we're good. If, if you would have blown that, would she have said yes still? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, she would have. I don't think. Yeah, well, you know, I say that. I don't want to speak for her. Chad Waits says, uh, I would like to thank Thomas and Casey for the Ooh. FaceTime for a quick shot. Who's Thomas? Tomas. Tomas, my best man. Okay. okay. Uh, for the FaceTime for a quick shot you took at Casey's bachelor party. Pretty cool of you guys. Chad Waits, thank you for helping out for the bachelor party. Yeah, we really do appreciate that, Chad. We appreciate you. You honestly did way too much, but we really appreciate it. Chad was a newcomer to the chat, and he has just soared up the power rankings. He's number one. He's number one for a week. Chad yeah. is the reigning number one in the chat power rankings. Coming off of Casey's power rankings last week. I have no idea in which Tom, which direction Tom's going to take the power rankings. No idea. We have a whole week. You know what? We, oh, okay. So last week we said it was be nice to Casey week. And we said, oh, you know, if you want to you butter up Casey without telling him, there's 64 people in the chat right now. Do you think we should butter up Tom for the ever, you know, be nice to Tom? We're not going to tell him he's doing the power rankings till after Thursday's show. We butter up Tom for the week, and then we see how that goes. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday's show, and then going into Friday. Do you think that would play, or do you think he would catch on? Let's butter him up. All butter right, every, up. all right, everybody. So that's what we're doing. Do not let on to Tom, and it's just be nice to Tom week, and we'll see how he takes the. We will tell him after the show on Thursday that he has the power rankings. Let's do that. Although the chat's pretty good to Tom anyway. But maybe some people are extra nice to Tom. Or if you, you don't have anything nice to say, maybe you just don't say it. Or, or do you think that we have to tell Tom on Tuesday so he starts thinking about it? Because he's going to show up Friday morning and then he's going to say, all right, here's my five. Then he's going to give us the list and we make a graphic. I think we tell him 
I, I think this is a group effort. Do we tell? We is, butter them up for the next three shows. Okay, butter them up for the next three th- shows. We'll tell him after the show on Thursday, and we'll we'll get his we'll get his take, and we'll get his take. Perfect. It's a perfect plan. All right, everybody. This has been off the bench with Tom Brenneman, but today it has been with Paul Fritchner, also alongside Casey McAllister and Reed Mouse. Thank you all so much for watching today. Thanks again to Charlie Goldsmith for joining the show. If you missed that, you can go back and watch it as soon as this show is done. It'll all be up on YouTube. You can watch this on YouTube. As always, you can download the show in podcast form. This has been Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Tom will be back in this seat tomorrow at 10 a.m., and we'll see you all then.